Hey friends, thank you for joining us and letting us into your space today. We are so glad you're here. Hey, there are a lot of things going on at Christ Community Church, so head over to our website at cccgreeley.org. There's lots of ways for you to get connected. You can check out our coming up page. You can also explore groups um, and find ways to just kind of join the family here. Um, also, like and subscribe so that more of this content comes into your feed, and we hope you enjoy the message. Welcome to all of you. So glad that you are here. We are starting week two of a very significant journey that we as a church are engaging in. It's a journey of intimacy with Jesus. I mean, we all long for an intimate relationship with God that's not just informational. We want a, a relationship with God that's not just informational, but, but we want a, a relationship with God that's that's real and that's personal, but that doesn't happen. That doesn't just happen automatically. It's something that we have to intentionally cultivate. So in this eight-week journey, we are exploring and we're engaging in five core spiritual practices that can help each one of us, help all of us grow in our experience of intimacy with Jesus. Our Tiny Tots ministry, our children's ministry, our student ministry, our friendship club, as well as our adults are all focusing on this together, which is really cool. So each week, I am teaching on an aspect of this, and then there are, there are three exercises that we are encouraging everyone to do that week. Each exercise takes about 10 minutes and is so important for us to do because intimacy is not simply about information. It is about experiencing something. So the link to each week's exercises is provided in our newsletter and on our website. You can find there a PDF version of the exercises, and there's also an audio version if you would prefer that. We also have printed copies of the exercises available at the information area. Now, the content and the exercises can also be found in the book that I've written called The Intimate God. We ran out of copies a few weeks ago, and I promised last week we would have copies this weekend. I even paid extra for expedited shipping, but then the shipment got lost somewhere. Uh, they're sitting in Tennessee somewhere. I don't know what's going on. Hopefully they will get here soon. So if you, but if, if you want to reserve a copy, you can purchase it at the cafe and we will reserve that for you. And then we're going to, we'll call you this week. We'll let you know as soon as it comes in. Now, thankfully the book is also available in an ebook. You can get it immediately as an ebook on Amazon, as well as uh, the audible version of me reading the book. Some of my friends say it helps them fall asleep at night, so I don't know how to interpret that, but I'm just going with it. So last week, we, we started this journey with this critically important and foundation and question, how does God feel about you? How does God feel about you? Do you and I live in this, this experiential reality of a God who absolutely delights in us? Or do we carry around this perception that God is disappointed in us or distant from us? See, experiencing the love of Jesus, experiencing the love of Jesus for us is foundational to our relational intimacy with him. So last week we talked about some God-given resources to help us grow in our experience of his love. And then we had the three exercises. So I'm hoping you were able to do those exercises where we opened our hearts more fully to the experience of God's love. If you weren't able to do them, I, I just encourage you, it's not too late, I encourage you to do so. This is foundational 
to, the, to the, this entire journey. Okay, now in light of how important experiencing God's love is, wouldn't it be cool if we could build into our lives some regular practices that could help us, that would enable us to drink more deeply of Jesus' love and delight. Well, that's what the rest of this journey is all about. You're gonna be building into your life five core spiritual practices that for centuries have helped believers in Jesus experience the depth of his presence and his love. So this week, we're going to be focusing on the first of these five spiritual practices, one that has been incredibly significant for me personally in my relationship with Jesus. It's the practice of stillness, creating space in our lives to be still before the Lord. Now, before I describe this practice in more detail, I want us to understand the why behind it. Why is the practice of stillness so important in our relationship with God? Now, the answer to that question is found all the way back in the first few chapters of the Bible, in the book of Genesis. So God creates Adam and Eve, right? He places them in this beautiful garden, and in this context, God delights in them, and they delight in him. It is this amazing picture of shalom and wholeness and relational joy. It's amazing. Unfortunately, all of this blows up when Adam and Eve rebel against God. And because of their failure, they hid from his presence. You can read about this in Genesis 3. They hid from his presence. So for the first time ever, human beings experienced shame. They suddenly realized they were naked and they felt exposed, dirty, unacceptable. So they hid themselves from the presence of God. And we've been hiding ever since. Even though God delights in us and longs for us to live in this constant love relationship with him, we instinctively resist going there. We hide behind the shrubs of busyness or distraction or addiction or even religious activity. We're just like Adam and Eve. Our feelings of being unacceptable and unworthy keep us from enjoying God's presence. But the amazing thing in this story is how God responds to Adam and Eve hiding in their shame. This is so amazing. God moves toward them. God actually moves toward Adam and Eve And he asks them a very important question. Look at Genesis 3, verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Think about that. Why would God ask this question? It's not like he didn't know where they were. He's God. He knew exactly where they were, right? This was not a geographical question. This was a relational question. God was inviting them out of their hiding and into his presence. See, in asking this question, God reveals that he wants to meet them right where they are. But in order to do that, they must admit where they are. They must come out of hiding and admit their feelings of shame and brokenness. And the same thing is true of us. God continually asks us this same question. Where are you, really? Where are you? Not the pretend you, 
Not the trying hard to look like you have it all together you. Not the busy, distracted you or the stoic you who keeps stuffing your sadness or disappointment. No, God wants the real you. The, the you who is filled with fear. The you who is overwhelmed with stress. The you who gave in to some sin last night. God wants to meet you where you are, not where you think you're supposed to be. So, so in light of this amazing truth, when do we ever slow down long enough to honestly answer this question? Where am I? Where is my heart right now? Where am I really? I came across this amazing quote from a pastor in the 17th century who totally nailed our current reality. Listen to this. He said, he wrote, there are some men and women who have lived 40 or 50 years in the world and have had scarcely one hour's discourse with their hearts all the while. He's right. When do we ever stop long enough to explore what our heart is experiencing? We're often too busy. We're hurrying from one thing to the next. We're plotting through life. We're ignoring our heart. And then when we finally get some downtime, what do we do? We fill it with Netflix or some game app on our phone or social media or some other substance or activity or dopamine hit that provides a temporary distraction so that we don't have to look within and perhaps face our sadness or our shame or our pain or our fears. See, even though we have an intimate God who continually turns his face toward us, we looked at this last week. God is, we have a God who continually turns his face toward us and who longs to pour out his love into those vulnerable places. That's what he's like. But even though God is like that, we often choose to live apart from that reality. So how do we fix this? It's through the practice of stillness. See, in the practice of stillness, we intentionally come out of hiding. We create space in our lives to connect with our real selves, to slow down long enough so that we can actually answer God's question to us. Where are you right now? Where are you really? And here's what makes stillness so powerful. <clears throat> when we slow down long enough to be present to ourselves in that moment, we become more attentive to the loving presence of God. There's this powerful example of this in the book of Kings, 1 Kings in the Old Testament, 1 Kings 19. We read about the prophet Elijah, who had this huge spiritual victory in, in chapter 18, the prophets of Baal, Mount Carmel, all that stuff. But immediately after that, he hears that King Ahab's wife is ticked off. She is livid with rage, and she is threatening to kill him. So suddenly, just like that, Elijah's inner world is dramatically turned upside down, and he finds himself in this emotionally dark place. 1 Kings 19, verse 3, check this out. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Okay, so where does he go? in this place of emotional upheaval, this emotional exhaustion, this emotional despair, where does he go? He goes into a wilderness, a solitary place, and he opens his heart to God. Look at this, verse four. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, 
and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. I love this. Mighty Elijah, chapter 18, defeats the prophets of Baal. You know, this mighty, powerful Elijah. This is where it gets real. This is not pretty, but it's real. This is Elijah being totally honest and real about where his heart is at. He honestly expresses his fear, his insecurity, his discouragement. It's kind of a pity party. And guess what? God meets him in that place. He meets him in this place. See, when when we don't take time for stillness, we end up disconnecting from our true selves, which hinders our ability to experience intimacy with Jesus. Remember the definition of intimacy we mentioned last week, into me see. If, If we are not aware, if we're not aware of what's really going on inside of us, how can we experience Jesus in that place? We can't. If we're not even aware of what's going on internally within us, how can we experience Jesus in that place? You can't. So the, the, the practice of stillness enables us to experience Jesus where we really are, not where we think we're supposed to be. So how do we practice stillness? Let's get really practical here. In my experience, there are three crucial aspects of the practice of stillness. First of all, we must create space for stillness. In the New Testament, in Mark chapter one, we're told about how Jesus had this really busy day. He was ministering all day long. And then in the evening, people, he was getting, trying to get away and people were coming to the, the porch of the home he was staying at, bringing people to be healed and all this. It was all day long and he was ministering all day long and then well into the evening. He was exhausted physically, emotionally, spiritually, which is what makes this next verse that we read in this passage so powerful. Verse 35, very early the next morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, why would Jesus do this? Why not sleep in? (laughs) It's because he knew he needed this. His soul needed this. So he created space for it in his life. For one thing, he created space in his schedule for stillness. He gets up early while it was still dark. See, we we need to carve out space. We need to carve out time for stillness because it won't happen automatically. It will not happen automatically. We got to carve out time for it. It might be in the morning, could be evening, could be during the day. I personally find morning works best for me. Some of you might struggle to focus in the morning, so you need to find another time that works. But the key is building this into the rhythm of our lives so that it happens consistently. So we carve out time in our schedule. The other intentional creating space decision Jesus makes is he, he, he creates space in his environment for stillness. Jesus goes to a solitary place he goes to a place where he can actually be alone. No people, no distractions. See, we need to find a physical place for stillness. Probably not in a coffee shop with our earbuds in, okay? Or on the sofa with a television on. Stillness best occurs in a place where the, the, our, the usual distractions are removed. And this includes 
silencing our phone or putting it away somewhere where you can't see the notifications that you're receiving or better yet, turning it off. It does have a power off button, you know? Uh, and it's a kind of a crazy idea to actually use that. But uh, Pastor Stetson, I remember one time he made the comment to me that one of the advantages of having one device that connects to the whole world and everyone in it is that by shutting off that device, we disconnect ourselves to the whole world and everyone in it. See, like Jesus, we must create solitary, a solitary place where we can actually retreat from the noise and the distractions of the world. Now, look, I know this can be challenging depending on your stage of life. I mean, especially if you have young children, man, in those seasons, your experience of stillness may only be for a, a couple of minutes behind a locked bathroom door. Who knows? And that's okay. If that's all you can get, that's okay because your soul needs this. Even if it can only be for a few minutes, your soul needs it. Now, let me warn you, if you are not used to doing this practice of stillness, your initial experience um, uh, of practicing stillness may be a bit unsettling. And, and that's normal because, look, we are so used to hurry and busyness. This is just the way we live our lives. We're so used to hurry, constant noise, and activity that it can be a tad unnerving to just kind of stop and be quiet. We're not used to that. Our mind may start racing. We may start to even feel a bit panicky because we're not used to this, all of which are normal responses. I mean, think about this. A car driving 80 miles an hour is not able to stop on a dime. There are going to be skid marks, right? That's just how it works. So when we stop and we create space for stillness, it's okay for that to feel a little disorienting. That's normal. The good news the good news is that with practice, stillness is going to become something that your soul looks forward to as an oasis in the midst of the busyness of life. Now, when I first started practicing stillness, a number of years ago, I was taught this stuff. And so I, and when I started doing it years ago, I'm going to just be honest, it was a pretty frustrating experience. And, and, and here's the reason. I was told to practice stillness and then I would create space for stillness and then I didn't know what to do <laughs> then. And so it just kind of became this, okay, I'm opening, you know, whatever you want to say to me, God, about anything in the universe, just say it. It just was really, it was hard for me. It was frustrating because I didn't have any, any um, direction. And so that leads to the second aspect of stillness that has been so, so helpful for me. And I just want to share it with you. And that is being present to yourself. See, once I create space for stillness, I like to begin by being present. This is where I start. I create space, I got everything ready, and then I just start by being present to myself. Before I'm even thinking about God, I'm just being present to myself. Slowing down long enough just to tune in to my heart, to my inner being. I, I choose to pay attention to those parts of me that my busyness and distraction and shame have just kept me from exploring. But now I'm slowing down to tune into where I am. See, this is like Elijah. We're slowing down long enough to answer the question God is asking. Where are you right now? Where are you? Where's your heart? So in slowing down for stillness, Elijah connected with those very real but neglected parts of himself 
that we're feeling exhausted, discouraged, and afraid. You know, the story of Elijah, I mean, when you look at it, you realize chapter 18, those things were going on, and they didn't just immediately happen in chapter 19. Those things were going on under the surface of Elijah. He just wasn't paying attention to it until Jezebel threatened his life. And boom, all of it came rushing to the surface. See, this is why stillness is so important. What if we didn't wait months (laughs) but we actually were tuning in regularly to where our heart is. That could have a huge impact. So one of the biggest aha moments for me personally in my own stillness journey occurred when I realized that I and all of us here, I have many parts that comprise who I am. Our hearts are complex, multifaceted things. Even as a male who's supposed to be, you know, just focus on one thing. No, no, no. We're, we're, we may think that. It's not true. We are multifaceted. So what I mean by that is at any given moment, I'm not simply experiencing one thought or one emotion. No, I have multiple thoughts and emotions that are going on. I may be, you know, dismissing them, but they're going on. I, I may be feeling excitement about a conversation the day before that I had yesterday with someone. I may also be feeling nervous about a meeting that's coming up that that next day. Part of me may be trying to figure out some solution to a situation at work, and I'm kind of stressed about that, while another part of me is filled with joy at the most recent pictures of my grandson. This is how God made us. Our inner being is is not monolithic. It It is a beautiful, complex, essential aspect of who we are. All these various parts of us make up what many people have referred to as our true self. I love that, our true self. My true self is who I really am, not the false image that I'm trying to pretend to the world around me, I'm trying to portray to the world around me. No, no, my true self is who I really am. See, as I mentioned earlier, our struggle is that due to busyness and distractions, we often don't give much attention to all of these parts of us, and some we ignore entirely. Well, the practice of stillness provides a powerful opportunity to connect with our true selves. Rather than ignoring certain parts, we actually connect with our true selves. So one of the ways I like to think about this when I begin a time of stillness, so I'm created a space for it. When I begin a time of stillness, what I like to do, I like to imagine all the parts of me around a table. We're all sitting around a table, sort of like the movie Inside Out, which is a totally brilliant movie. Um, so when I begin a time of stillness, I like to just start by tuning in to the various places where my heart and mind are. So maybe there's a part of me that's angry about my book order being displayed. And that is absolutely true. My entire week, I was so angry every day trying to connect with these people that I couldn't connect with. Okay, that, but, so that's, a, that's maybe it is a part of me at my table. Maybe I'm also feeling excited about something coming up in a couple weeks. That's another part of me at my table. Maybe I'm feeling sad about a a recent cancer diagnosis from a friend. That's another part of me at the table. And here's what's so crucial. Every part is welcome to the table. Every part is welcome to the table. I'm not ignoring certain parts because they aren't very spiritual or they aren't very holy. No, I'm welcoming every part of me to the table and I'm letting it be seen. This is huge. 
So many times there are parts of us that we're embarrassed by, parts of us that we don't really want to look at. And so we try really hard to ignore them. But by doing that, we're actually disconnecting from a part of our heart. So what the practice of stillness enables us to do is intentionally create space where we can be aware of all the parts of our heart and we can welcome them to the table. We're slowing down long enough to answer this question. Where am I? Where's my heart? Where's my mind right now? So here's what this looks like for me. Once I've created space to be alone with God, I like to begin with some deep breaths to intentionally quiet my soul. So often I attach a whispered prayer to the inhale and the exhale. So one of the prayers I use is, Spirit of God, breathe on me. Spirit of God, breathe on me. I'll do that a few times. Another one I like to utilize is, Abba, Father, I belong to you. So on the inhale, a prayer, exhale, a prayer. And so what's happening is I'm quiet. As I'm quieting my being through a minute or two of spiritual breathing, so I'm just kind of quieting my heart, I then tune into my heart. And I'm just asking, what am I experiencing in the various parts of me right now? Well, I'm feeling kind of anxious about our finances. Or I'm feeling angry at this publishing place. Or I'm stressed about this situation at work. And I'm also feeling kind of disconnected from my wife. I'm feeling excited about this trip next week. See, in these moments, I'm simply slowing down to answer this question, where am I? And I'm acknowledging that there are multiple, multiple parts of my heart. And, so, and look, this is not about passing judgment on ourselves for one of the parts of us, you know, that, about something we're feeling or labeling things. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's bad. You know, as, oh, that's helpful. That's unhelpful. No, it's not about doing that. It's not about fixing. This is not about lecturing ourselves. This is simply about awareness. This is about connecting to our hearts rather than ignoring our hearts. So if this idea of tuning into emotions is new to you, that's totally okay. You can grow in this. You, you really can. You can grow in this. In the book, I share this acronym SHADES, S-H-A-D-E-S, six basic emotions. Sad, am I sad, happy, angry, disgusted, excited, scared. Okay, those are just, that's one way to look at it, but just trying to give words to, mul to the multiple things that our heart might be experiencing when we slow down. And again, it, it starts being able to connect to our hearts starts by slowing down and creating space so that we can actually tune into our heart. We can tune into those places of sadness, of anger, of failure, of joy, fears. So stillness provides this beautiful place to slow down in order to connect with our true selves rather than our pretend selves, <laughs> our busy selves. No, our true selves, which leads to the third crucial aspect of stillness, and that's being present to Jesus. See, when we slow down long enough, when we slow down long enough to tune in to where we are, we are then able to experience Jesus in that place. Remember what we said a moment ago, God wants to meet us where we are, not where we think we're supposed to be. 
So the practice of stillness transitions our relationship with God from the superficial to the authentic. We meet Jesus where we really are, which can be a scary thing for some of us, right? For many of us, this thought may be really scary. How will Jesus respond to these parts of me that are, you know, that fail, these parts of me that are fearful or confused or discouraged or ashamed or doubting? How is Jesus going to respond? We know exactly how he's going to respond because we see it with Adam and Eve. After Adam and Eve totally messed up, totally blew it, God, did not, God didn't say to them, why did you screw up so badly? What were you thinking? How could you be so stupid? Don't you realize, do you realize the mess that you've created that I have to deal with now? No, he didn't say any of that. He simply asked them, hey, where are you? Where are you? He moved toward them. He wanted to meet them in their failure and shame. See, and then in the New Testament, we see the same thing. Jesus compassionately moves toward all the parts of us. He wants to meet us right where we are. So stillness creates space for an authentic encounter with God. I mean, doesn't this sound amazing? I mean, really, being with Jesus just as you are. No secrets, no hiding, no trying to look spiritual when you know you're not. Nope. Just being you in the presence of him. That's it. Just being you, the authentic you, in the presence of him. See, that's true intimacy, right? That's intimacy. When we let our guard down and we can just be who we are in someone else's presence. And in this case, the other person happens to be Jesus. So in this intimate place of stillness, we can, we can release to God. We can have Jesus minister to these parts of us that are at the table, that the anxious part of us is worried about the meeting tomorrow. We can have Jesus minister to us to that part. We, we can let G- Jesus compassionately minister to, to these fears that we have. Rather than, than fighting against certain parts of us or ignoring certain parts of us, what if we welcomed the presence of Jesus to actually minister to that part of us? See, this was a part of the practice of stillness that I was missing for a long time. For those of you for whom the practice of stillness is not new and maybe you already do this, I just wanna, I wanna, I'm wondering, does your experience of stillness include welcoming Jesus to minister to these various parts of your heart? Does it include you slowing down to ask, where am I? So stillness creates the sacred space to offer our authentic selves to God and in that place to experience more deeply what we talked about last week, the reality of God's face being turned towards us and his love being poured out within us. See, in stillness, we can rest in his love. In stillness, we can better hear his, whis- his spirit whisper to our heart, I love you. You are my son. You're my daughter. I love you. You're mine. My soul needs that regularly. And yours does too. In the midst of the relentless hurry and busyness and stress and distractions and all the things that happen in our world, in the midst of all of that, our souls regularly need to be 
to experience and be reminded of how much Jesus loves us. So stillness provides that opportunity. You know, it, it's hard for me to find words to describe how powerful, how impactful the practice of stillness has been for me in my journey, um, and it continues to be. Let me just tell, share one example. About six weeks ago, I realized I was not in a good place emotionally and spiritually, so I made an appointment to see my counselor, spiritual director. I hadn't seen him in over a year, and so we met. At first meeting, we met. I shared with him about my weariness and some of the my failures to live up to being the man that I wanted to be. And so in the midst of this session, he challenged me. He listened to me and we processed. And then he challenged me to create some significant space for stillness. Three hours. And I was like, look, I know I kind of wrote a book on this, you know, but that feels excessive even for me. Okay. Uh, honestly, he told me three hours and I'm like, I'm up for the challenge, but I'm not looking forward to it. That seems like a really long time. And so um, I said, as I had the next, the next afternoon, Thursday afternoon, kind of freed up and I carve out, carved out three hours. And I got alone in this quiet place, lit some candles, and I just started with some spiritual breathing not knowing how I was going to fill the time. I mean, I, again, I was not looking forward to this. I just, how am I going to fill the time? And as I was sitting there, I felt the Lord just whisper to my heart, Alan, you are worried and upset about many things. And I knew he was right. I was. And so I just began to tune in to those parts of my heart that were worried and upset the things I was anxious about. And I started with the first one. There were like five I was worked through in the three hours, but I started with the first one. How, how, how I was worried about what other people think of me and what other people think of our church. And I was just feeling the weight of people's expectations. And so I began to just kind of tune into that part of my heart and acknowledge it. Yeah, and then I just welcomed Jesus into that place. And he brought some much needed insight into this. He, he, he reminded me of some lies that I had been believing that I needed to renounce, which I did. We'll talk more about hearing the Lord's voice next week. But so as I was sitting with my heart in this place, I'd renounce these lies and just kind of sitting in this place. I, the Lord gave me, sometimes he does this, he gave me this picture. And it was a picture of this huge boat in front of me. And he was inviting me to take all of this burden I was carrying, all these expectations of people and comparing myself, all that, just to take it and just put it in this boat. So I just do that. I'm just envisioning in my mind. I'm just taking all these. It's big, but there's a lot of these things I'm carrying. So I just keep putting them all. I'm just dumping all people's expectations, all that's the weight I'm carrying in the boat. And then I just kind of watched the boat sail away. And it just got smaller and smaller on the horizon. And then, this was so cool. I saw Jesus. I'm still in this place, this picture. I saw Jesus come up in a little two-person canoe. And he invited me to join him in it. So I did. And we just began to row together and into an unknown, but it didn't matter because I was just rowing with him. And I realized this is how Jesus is inviting me to live. Not carrying the weight of pleasing other people and the frantic pace of trying to live, all that. He just wants me to get in the boat with him and we row together at his pace, not mine, 
It, look, it was exactly what my soul needed. And I'm telling you, I felt like a different person afterwards. I felt such peace. I would have missed all of that. I would have missed all of that had I not created space in my life for stillness. Now look, I hesitate to tell that story because it's so personal. I don't want anyone, well, why? yours doesn't have to look like, I don't want to share it that way. I just want to share it because I want you to hear how this practice of stillness is incredibly life-giving to me. I feel like I'm using this every week, almost every day in a time with Jesus, connecting with my heart. And I, I just, I, I want you to hear that it is so life-giving to me. And I just long for you to experience this as well. Not three hours, unless you really want to do that. Uh, start with a couple of minutes. Seriously, start with a couple of minutes. So in, in, in the three exercises for this week, I lead you in this process to begin to practicing this. So I'm encouraging you, create space for it. And in that space, be present to yourself and then welcome Jesus into that place and see what happens. See what happens as you create space for him. All right, it's going to be a fun week. Uh, why don't we stand as we welcome the Holy Spirit here in our time of response. We're just going to open our hearts to the Lord right now. Just tuning in to what he might be saying to each one of us. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray, come Holy Spirit, and I'm just encouraging us, just open our hearts to the Lord, our minds to the Lord, and, and just pay attention to whatever he may be stirring in you. Maybe there's a particular response he's inviting you into. So let's just open our hearts to him. Holy Spirit, come. We open our hearts to you. <clears throat> this is one of those um, <clears throat> practices, one of those things that we, we hold the key. I, I was just thinking of um, Revelation 3. Jesus is standing at the door knocking. And he says, if you open the door, I'll come in and dine with you and you with me. We're going to hang out. If you open the door... <laughs> We'll hang out, but I guess if we don't open the door, the opening the door is our part. So Lord, I just want to pray into this, whatever you're stirring in us, whatever opening that door looks like to create space for this, 
and that you would teach us how to be present to our own hearts. Just like Elijah, just be present with where we're at so that we can experience you in those places, ministering to every part of our hearts. Thank you for being such a loving, tender God. We love you. We wanna meet you right where we are, not where we think we're supposed to be. And so help us, help us grow in this. Thanks, Lord. So we're, we're to continue to, in this space of just whatever the Holy Spirit's saying, doing, this worship team is gonna continue to lead us in this space. And I wanna invite you, if at any point, you feel like the Lord uh, might be, the Holy Spirit might be doing something um, um, and you'd like to just have someone bless that, have someone pray into that. Maybe he's stirring something in you, a desire in you. Maybe you're actually experiencing something physically in your body. Maybe your heart is kind of pounding and you just feel like, I think the Lord wants me to respond in some way. We just wanna invite you just to come forward. We have a full prayer team tonight. And we would love to just come alongside and bless what God's doing in it. And then we're going to listen as we pray. And if we sense the Lord putting anything on our heart that we think might be for you, we'll just share it with you and you can test and weigh that. So God, we welcome you into this space now, these next several minutes here, just to be with you, to worship you, to love on you, to open our hearts open our true selves, our hearts to who you are. So Holy Spirit, come. So wherever you guys are at, we are here for you. We would love to help you, talk with you, uh, answer any questions you might have. There is someone always available to talk. If you go to our website, there is a chat option. And if you use that, you'll be connected with someone right away. Hope you guys have a great week.